target. Maximum firepower. Welcome to the Brace for Impact podcast. I'm your host, Luke, once again, here with Chandler. Today we're going to be talking about what we've been up to these last few months, followed by our initial thoughts on the release of uh, Rapid Reinforcements 2. Very exciting stuff. Hell yeah. Fucking Rapid yeah. Reinforcements 2. And we actually honestly, got way more I'm, than I I'm thought we I'm super would. stoked about it. It uh, really breathed a lot of uh, new life into some squadrons that I just haven't been able to use, so I'm very happy with it. Yeah, and, and like, I, I was talking with a, a bunch of people uh, at our local scene about uh, when they were doing the previews for Rapid Reinforcements 2, and some people were thinking it's four cards and done, but we got fucking eight cards. Like, yes. And uh, new commanders too, right? Like we just uh, we haven't had that before. So um, yeah, the ability yeah, to get a new commander without having to have a full wave release, I think, is is so valuable. Um, I'm super excited. But anyway, let's go into our first segment. What the fuck has been happening? What, what we've been doing? Uh, definitely we've been doing our monthly tournaments down over in Orlando. We've been over at Coliseum of Comics. So, yes. very cool stuff. We've had very good turnouts, in my opinion. Yeah, we, we've had we've had a lot of, of regulars coming to our tournaments and making sure that we're annoying the hell out of the Coliseum of Comics dudes. Because like, we'll, we'll fill up all the, the miniature tables... And we'll have to start taking tables from the card players, those fucking degenerates. Mm. And then we run out of tables, and I look at these nerds, and I'm like, hey guys, like, we need more tables at this fucking store. So, I've been, I've been super annoying. And they have the every, room. Every time I go in. They, they don't have the room. Holy shit. That's the problem. No, I think they do have the room. They just have to get rid of those other tables. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, that giant, like, kind of, like, I know it's Coliseum of Comics, but uh, I feel like... The comics could be organized in a way that's more compact. Um, who, and also yeah, who the fuck designed that them. space? It's just like rows and rows of just these like garage sale like boxes full of comics. It's like just put those in the back. Have a computer in the front that tells everyone what all the comics are, and then you fucking put them in the back. It's, it takes up so much fucking space. It's obnoxious. But um. I'm on, I'm going there because I like playing Armada, and I want more tables. So, Agreed. and also I, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, dude, but like comics suck. Mm, I remember really enjoying the RoboCop and the Spawn comics growing up, so I I'm gonna disagree with that one. Yeah, read them again. They're the, <laughs> they're awful. I was like eight. Uh, you're right. Just all comics, like. If you're listening to this and you enjoy comments, comics, uh, you have bad taste. Chandler, we want the viewers. Just they're they're just the worst, and they're they're designed to be um, a terrible read. My only complaint is that I think they're short. Well, first they're short, but also like I, I can't imagine anyone successfully reading comics without the internet. Like, when you had to go and find them? That must have been fucking impossible. Because I went to this online site, and I was like, ah, I'll try and read Spider-Man. 
you know? Spider-Man's the fucking greatest superhero that's ever lived, you know? And so I go and I start reading from Spider-Man 1, and then you read Spider-Man 2, and then you, you keep going and going, and then you'll get to one where at the start of the comic it says, make sure you've read Wolverine 233. Oh, and then it branches off. Yeah. And then it branches, and it splits off the fucking story into this some other comic series that I don't give a shit about. Who cares about Wolverine? Truthfully, I don't. I, one of my least favorite. Fantastic Four, a bunch of cunts. It's like, this is the worst. And then they'll finish up that story and then come back, and then Spider-Man will have all this fucking trauma <laughs> that I don't know what the hell happened. Oh yeah, this is your broken spider. <laughs> or he'll 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 go off and like play with the X Men, fuck some of the X Men, and then come back and and talk about how he has like he's like, got like a like Kitty Pride as his girlfriend or something. And then I'm like, I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't want to read 400 comics of X Men to know their story. First off, the X Men are lame for sure. Not lamer than the Fantastic Four, but that's that's another story. Anyway. Comics are the worst, is the point. And you can't convince me otherwise. They're awful. They're poorly written. They're, they're just for degenerates who hate storytelling and enjoy to suffer while they try and piece together this bullshit puzzle story. What were we talking about? <laughs> Armada. <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> uh, having more tournaments. Tournaments, yeah. Oh, the fucking the our tournaments. Our tournaments happen in a comic store. That's what happened. Anyway, um, yeah, I love playing tournaments. You know the most annoying thing for me? And this is, I'm, I'm going to bring this up just this once, but to anyone listening, uh, talking about or referencing in any way that Armada is dead is not something we do on this channel. Because it's I not. think it's, it's fucking not. Someone commented on the release of Rapid Reinforcements 2 on AMG's website. Like, so this means Armada isn't dead, or is it? And I'm like, I haven't stopped playing Armada since it came out. I know, if you make Imperial shit, I will go buy it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like, give it to me, please. And, and not just like, oh, I play at home with this one dude I know. It's like, I haven't stopped playing Armada in stores, for, like, in tournaments since it came out. Except, like, that one year where the pandemic was, you know, killing all those people. Not but, allowing us to do it, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, for sure not allowed us. And even then, I didn't stop playing Armada. So, like, whenever someone says, oh, this means Armada isn't dead, or is it dead? No, no plastic ships, Armada's dead. It's like, you can play it still. It's still fucking amazing. It's, it's probably the best miniatures game that exists right now. And, listen, if you're playing Armada... And you're getting bored of Armada? Switch factions and try and make that shit work. And then spend a whole other two years trying new things. Yeah, that, that'll keep you busy for another two years. Okay? So, that shit always annoys me whenever someone brings up Armada being dead. Because they've been doing it since, like, year, like, one. When we got the first wave, and then wave two was in, like, a year and a half. Fuck, this is the most obnoxious shit to me, and I hate it. But it, it, I don't hate that more than I hate when people want that fucking dreadnought in Armada. Really? I mean, it doesn't fit in anything, but I mean, I, could, I, I want people to want things in Armada. 
the every time I talk to those fucking mouth breathers who tell me that the dreadnought should be uh, in Armada and it's going to be this cross-factional ship and it's going to be the, the, oh, they're going to love it. And then I say, all right, how do you make that ship interesting? And then they go, oh, 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 I don't know. And not only that, I actually just finished the book uh, regarding Luke and Mara, like, finding that crashed dreadnought cylinder thing that was printed for you. And, oh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't what, see what how it even was, fits is in that, the story. Um, is that Dark Force Rising? Uh, I think that might be it, yeah. It's like they, they yeah, meet up with the Chiss delegation, and they go there, and those dudes turn out to be, like, not squabbling little dudes, but, like, pirate guys, and so they kill them. <laughs> Yo, I didn't know you were reading those. I, I might read those again. We'll do a fucking Brace for Impact book club. We'll talk about those. Those those books are hot plasma. Holy shit. Uh, I'm reading, uh, actually, I think we talked about it, the one with Jason. Uh, what's that series called? That should be, uh, well, I mean, he's in, like, all of those series, so. It, it's the really long one with, like, Betrayal, Tempest, um, with, like, Boba Fett. Oh, kind of Betrayal. In, in it for a little Betrayal bit. should be New mm. uh, Order. Yeah. That's no, in no. the Vong War. Let me, I have it in front of me. Let me just look it up. But, yeah, Betrayal's in the middle of the Vong War. Yes, it is, which I also read that one. But Legacy of it's the Force. It's short, but it's one series. of the best. Oh, Legacy of the Force. Yeah. Uh, he shows up in it, too. Uh, the Vong War is before the Legacy of the Force, because... Uh, Legacy ben of the Force is made. Dies. Hey, fucking spoilers, uh, dude. What the fuck? That was one of the most dramatic moments in the whole fucking series. Like, holy shit. Yeah, this is like a whole new world. I just started reading these, and I can't stop. And They're so amazing. Jace showed me a way to get them for free uh, on my Kindle through like Libby, which is like a library thing. Like Amazon like lends it to you for twenty one days, which is plenty oh, of time. Yeah. And so like I'm just like tearing through all of these books. Yeah, they're they're really great, especially if you like Star Wars. But then it's like once you finish reading them, and then you get that weird sinking feeling of like, oh shit, this is better than everything star wars and then you, you fucking have nothing <laughs> all, all you can do is reread the books and cry and wish for better times but anyway yeah so our tournaments have been going really well and that's kind of what we've been focusing on um and work because editing well yeah and fucking because we got work and i was doing the last semester of my uh my bachelor's degree and and so, like, I think it started, like, in January, which I think is when we fell off making videos, because it was, like, my last semester, and it was all hard-ass classes, and so I just didn't have time to edit any of the battle reports. I think we did, like, one, and then I just wasn't able to get to them. But holy that, shit, that editing, right. is so, yeah, editing is so fucking time-consuming. But, um, yeah, so that's what we've been doing. That's why no videos have come out, is because I was finishing up the last semester of my classes and then i had to get a fucking job uh mm. that's the worst yeah I, I actually i had not known the nine to five chandler um before this and he has very little time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so all right um so i'm super excited for rapid reinforcements too so like let's yeah i want to talk about it let's fucking get into it because this shit is so fucking hot um, so, our second segment is going to be Rapid Reinforcements 2, and also we're going to talk about Organized Play a little bit, which is also very interesting in its own right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off with Anakin Skywalker. 
This is really dope. Uh, to read him, for those who don't know, while a friendly ship performs a salvo attack, it may add one die to its attack pool of a color already in its attack pool, which to me is crazy. Uh, I've been looking, well, hoping for a way uh, to be able to do, to do that, so I'm very excited. And then not only that, it gets uh, once per activation, after a friendly ship performs an attack that targets an enemy ship, that friendly ship may spend one salvo defense token. If it does, it may perform a salvo attack, targeting the same enemy ship. All this for 29 points, which I think is a steal, in my opinion. Um, it's, it's the biggest steal. Go ahead, Chandler. Tell me what you think. First off, just, just going off of what the card says, he breaks, like, 85 core rules, <laughs> which, which I don't know, is, is that the point of Anakin for him to come in Read read the initial rules of Armada and say, I'm going to break all of them. I'm going to say, uh, fuck you, I'll do what I want. I'll add a dice to a salvo attack, which the game explicitly says you cannot do. I'm going to perform an additional attack uh, over two, which the game says you can't do. And I'm going to salvo on an attack, which is obnoxious. It's and Look at him, look at his smug fucking face. He just says, I'm doing this, and you're going to try and stop it, and I don't care. The rules don't apply to me. Which is the most Anakin Skywalker thing you could possibly imagine. I do want to say the artwork. They did a fantastic job mimicking the actor, like Christian Haydenson or whatever. Um, you got that backwards. I, but, normally, I like, mean, he looks really awkward, but not here. Yeah, yeah. This, this is some amazing artwork. And it's early in the Clone Wars, too, which, which I have found to be a trend for the Armada uh, Clone Wars factions, is that this is all early Clone Wars. Interesting. This isn't late Clone Wars. This is um, very early. You, you can tell by the armor that Anakin is wearing. This is season one to, like, four armor. Mm. Uh, and also Rex still sporting his phase one clone trooper armor. And he, there's a generic phase one clone trooper uh, next to him as well. So this is like season one, one, one to three. What's interesting is that they're consistent too. Like you're not seeing, yeah. for instance, like Anakin in his like season one through four, four armor, and then the other clones in a later armor. So they know, like they're doing it on purpose. It seems that's very cool. Yeah, this this is a very consistent trend for all of the uh, Armada releases, especially you know Ahsoka. She's not like in her season seven Mandalore aligned armor. You know, mm -hmm. like she's in. I mean, she's got, uh, I think, her her Shoto Blade, which is like Season 3, but very early Clone Wars, all of this stuff, which which I like. I like the, the consistency and knowing that if they need to do more upgrade cards for the Clone Wars, they can just push the timeline forward a little bit, and then we can get some more shit, you know? I like this line of thinking. Excellent observation. Um, so, initial impressions on Anakin. Uh, super badass, and I actually had an interesting thought, right? So, like, the main characters of Star Wars, arguably, are Anakin Skywalker and Luke Skywalker, right? I'd agree. I feel like if ever we get a, another Luke Skywalker card of any kind, it's going to be ultimate badass, because clearly there's a trend here, and they're, and they're following it. Yeah. I just really like, because when you, when you think about... Anakin Skywalker, you think the the most aggressive tactics you can you can come up with, you know, just 
doing this an insane bullshit to fuck over the enemy fleet. And this does that. And it's not only, like, aggressive or anything like that. I definitely feel, like, out of left field. Like, I did not expect anything that this card says. Yeah, I mean, if, if you told me to come up with an Anakin Skywalker commander card, it would not be, hey, why don't you salvo on your own attack? Yes, I'm very pleased with, like, the creativity that went into this card. Yeah. Regardless of the the number of rules with which it breaks, because that I'm okay, That's the point of a card. That's, that's, I mean, I like it because that's the point of the card. Um, but also, uh, I feel like a, a lot of people were, were up in arms over whether Anakin can attack three times in, a, in an activation or do this or do that or salvo on his own attack. All of that notwithstanding, like, they can and have just corrected the card, changed the card text. This is all a digital product. They don't have to... Not, not everything's set in stone. Not to mention just normal errata for cards, mm-hmm. which everyone is so used to. I, I, I think they just forget that like 20% of the Armada cards are like errata or something. It's... There is a lot of errata, and that is one thing that, uh, I don't know, kind of like deep down, I'm not going to say I struggle with, but it's like every time I make a list, it's like it feels very laborious to me just to make sure that nothing's changed on any of the cards that I have. Yeah, and and so really all it takes is a simple FAQ, a simple explanation that, yes, Anakin can attack three times in a round. Yeah, he can solve off his... It's, it's just... It's easy. And, and they've done it in the past with Rapid Reinforcements 1. Like, remember when Darth Vader had Brace Scatter? And everyone was like, this is the most overtuned shit we've ever seen. And, <laughs> and then like a week later, they were like, yeah, that, no, it was, it's supposed to be Brace Evade. Like, like we're, are people not awake to, to remember that these things happen and then you just get an FAQ, you get a rules reference, and then it's easy. Even, even with Hera, remember all the bullshit with uh, her special ability triggered when she was activated? And so people were like, oh, we can aid our talent her and then give people Adept 2, and they just fucking changed it. So now it's just a distance 1 to 2, everyone gets Adept 1 if they have Escort. And it happens a lot in the industry. Like, Kill Team has plenty of this, where like, the flayed ones, where they're like, oh, yeah, uh, their things are just totally the wrong like attack die. Um, and, and so it happens all the time. Yeah, so I, I'm not... I'm not super worried about it. And really, I'm I'm just going, like, uh, when we play our tournament, it's like, listen, what it, what he can do, I mean, what it says on his card, he can do. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just that simple. And there, there are just so many workarounds and loopholes to, to certain core rules that, you know, Anakin just says, I'll do what I fucking want. I, I like Anakin because he completely changes the play style of Republic. He made them a lot more deadly at the same time, too. I am very concerned. As you know, I don't, uh, I don't currently own a Republic fleet, right? So just having this in the mix. Neither do I, but I'm about to. <laughs> it's a great incentive to, to go ahead and buy in. Yeah, well, because Republic is like, they have a lot of restrictions, more than any other faction. They've got to play the squadron game. Or they can't do consistent damage. They don't have ion uh, upgrades. 
which is, is such a crutch. You don't normally think about it, but for list building, if you don't have access at all to the ion upgrades, you're, you're super restricted. And it also means you can't put leading shots on, on a ship. Which is an easy reroll. Which is an easy reroll. They're, they're just so limited in terms of dice control that you're just, every time you're rolling dice, you're just fucking gambling. And so looking at Anakin, he just says, oh yeah, well, I'll just gamble harder. <laughs> so we'll just roll more dice more times. And listen, like, you can look at your, your Republic fleet and say, yeah, we're going to put local fire control on and we're going to salvo like nobody salvoed ever before. I think that's fine. It's fantastic. I mean, you spend the points for it. It's fantastic. That's your tactic. You're, you're spending the points for it. You're spending the, the only slot that lets you re-roll dice, which is your gunnery team slot for ordnance experts. And you're replacing a defense token. And you're replacing a defense token. It's like you're putting so much into doing, to rolling more dice, which is really good, but you'll have no consistency. And you'll have no control over whether your dice hit. Yeah, if that game's not over in turn four, you're going to die. Yeah, so in terms of what Anakin Skywalker Commander can do is, like, he seems really strong, but you're probably going to run a squadronless fleet, and that in and of itself is super risky. If you take local fire control, you're going to be really vulnerable. But maybe it won't matter. Maybe you're just going to run up with, like, a fucking spat cannon with uh, uh what's his name clone captain zach where he adds dice and you're just gonna fucking slap a, a capital ship off the table and then you're like oh and then you just gotta mop up you know fucking try and kill me with what you have left you know <laughs> here's my squadrons <laughs> yeah, yeah here's your, your squadrons are gonna not be pushed by anything so good luck all in all anakin an is amazing, a great card. and I think he's great card. I think I think it's just what we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it's what the Republic needs. They need a different play style other than maximum squadrons and carriers that have unreliable dice control. I I think he fits perfectly with the Republic faction. Like just being able to roll more dice because you aren't able to have dice consistency. I think is is perfect for them. And look, like sometimes you're gonna roll hot. And you're, you're just going to completely fucking obliterate your opponent. And yeah, fucking that, uh, that'll happen. <laughs> that happens with fucking Separatist Patriot Fist, where you just, you'll target a ship, you'll roll all your dice, you'll get double accuracy, and then they're fucking evaporated, you know? It's, you know? Dice roll hot sometimes, it happens. But uh, I think out of, out of everything, Anakin Skywalker is not only the most contentious, but uh, the most impactful. I think he does the most for the Republic. Fair enough. And he's also, uh, he's the most unique, too. I just think he's uh, very creative, and I don't think we have anything like this in the game. Yeah, I, I think out of all of the commanders, nothing comes close to doing what Anakin does. Agreed. Which is perfect. It's fitting. <laughs> yeah. Let's go on to the next one. Oh, I'm ready. Uh, we have Matchstick, which is a BTLBY wing squadron. Um, so... Uh, while you're unengaged, friendly squadrons with bomber at distance one gain rogue, uh, which again is really cool. Uh, he does have really bomber. Cool. He does have heavy. He does have two braces, and he has fourteen points. For all of the rules obnoxiousness that Anakin does, 
I think Matchstick needs clarification immediately uh, on when his ability me. happens. While you are unengaged, you referring to Matchstick, mm-hmm. friendly squadrons with Bomber at distance one gain Rogue. That checks out. So that not only means that while Matchstick is unengaged, he gains Rogue. But all of the squadrons around him at distance one gain rogue. That's but what it means when, to me. It sounds like he gets When rogue. do they gain rogue and when do they keep rogue? So here's the scenario. You've got two arcs, two arc 170s that are at distance one of matchstick. And then two arc 170s that are not at distance one of matchstick, but are at distance one of an enemy ship. Can you... Activate the two arcs in the squadron phase that are at distance one of matchstick, move them into distance one of the enemy ship, and then attack because they have rogue, and then move matchstick, attack the ship, and activate the two unactivated arcs that are now at distance one of matchstick, and then move and shoot with rogue. When does his ability happen? Is it always happening? It's just I, while they are at distance one, it's constant. It's like a persistent... It's a constant. Uh, like power. Not something that needs to be tapped. Uh, I forget what the term my, is. Passive. It's passive. Yeah, it's passive. But my issue with it is, if you move the Arc 170s outside of distance one of matchstick... They lose rogue. They lose rogue. So then they cannot move and attack. Correct. You have to remain within distance one of matchstick. You have to remain within distance one. So essentially you have to move matchstick into distance one of the enemy ship first, and then in the squadron phase move all of the arcs, and then when they become within distance one of matchstick, they can then Then you can shoot, yeah. Okay. That's a pretty complicated fucking ability. And I think that checks out, though, with uh, the Republic. Yeah, so, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so initially when I read this, my thought process only went as far as you have a bubble of rogue and you just get to move that around the board shooting and it's fantastic. The fact that you are suggesting like having matchstick and then moving a group doing that and then like, you know, matchstick potentially moving or like all that other, like that extra step was uh, very impressive to me for one, but I didn't even think that far ahead. I think that's really cool and one potentially couldn't have been thought of on the other side, only because I didn't get that far, so I'm sure maybe someone else didn't. Um, yeah. That's really cool. I don't think that we should discourage that. That's, like, the fantastic strategy that makes this this game fun to me. Yeah, because obviously the easy workaround is have a single interceptor and then just put it on matchstick, and then you just don't have to fucking worry about that. There you go. But, um... But yeah, I think that is something that needs clarification is, is his ability always persistent? And then squadrons, if they are outside of distance one, or if they move outside of distance one of matchstick, do they lose it or not? In my opinion. Because because the rogue keyword says this squadron can move and then shoot, or shoot Mm -hmm. and then move. So... In that situation, it would have, in my opinion, have to have already shot... To take advantage. That way it's just kind of moving out of the way then. Yeah. So a, a, a little bit convoluted and complicated, but it tracks with the Republic faction. And uh, I just think it needs a little bit of clarification. Agreed. But it, but it's a cool fucking sh- squadron. 
And talk about value for your points. Holy shit, only 14. Yeah, for, for 14 points is outrageous. And then you start bringing other uh, factors that the Republic can do into the equation. And then Matchstick starts looking really fucking valuable. Like, hey, let's get five arcs, Matchstick, and, um, you know, we'll throw in hyperspace rings. Uh, refresh my memory on hyperspace rings. It gives your squadron scout, which means you can deploy them without ships on the field, and you can deploy them anywhere on the map. Oh, that's so good. So, and now your arcs have rogue. Or just your fucking <laughs> Y-wings, you know? Like, that's fucking so good. I think Matchstick is an outrageously good squadron, and for 14 points is ridiculous. Oh, very cool. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to General Draven, if you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can move on to Rebels. Yeah. Uh, General Draven. Choose command dials for this card after deploying fleets. At the start of each ship phase, you may reveal and discard one command dial from this card. If you do, until the end of the round, when an enemy ship spends a matching command dial, it resolves that dial as though it spent a token of the same type instead. And this will be a 28-point card. This is a pretty f fucking cool commander. Um, I'm not going to say no For to that. Sure. Uh, in my opinion, I my playstyle, um, like the token dealing commanders, for me, I, I just don't like them very much. Um, but I can understand how it can be cool, especially like you, you. You like to do stuff where you're passing tokens around, really using them to push squadrons. Um, so I can see his value to other playstyles. Yeah, it it General Draven, and I'm I'm gonna say this as a hard line statement, is the best rebel squadron commander. Checks out. Because being able to shut down your opponent's fleet for two rounds. They, they cannot spend squadron dials, is so outrageously powerful that it'll just allow your, your rebel squads to, to dominate for two rounds. Obviously, it's going to be rounds three and four, though the most critical rounds. And your opponent can't do anything about it. Uh, I'm going to be real with you, Chandler. I just now realized that it is affecting your opponent. I thought... I completely skipped over the fact, and I just thought that it was giving you a, a token or something like that. I misunderstood no, no. this card completely. This is yeah. really cool. I, I don't think we have anything that lets you affect an opponent's dial quite like this. This is awesome. It, no, it's so powerful. It's so outrageous. It, it just is, your opponent can't spend a dial that matches this dial. If they do reveal a dial... Like, let's say General Draven, I reveal his dial, and it has Squadron Command. And then you're playing against uh, Sloan, and then they reveal a Squadron Dial on their Quasar. They can only activate one Squadron with that. That's amazing. And it, it resolves as if they had spent a token. Which means if they have a token banked, they can't spend that. It's lost. Oh, wow. They already spent token you can't double token it is one squadron activation how fitting for the character it is the this is the most crippling commander out out of the whole lot it completely cripples your opponent's ships way more than dooku way more than any other commander 
that gives your opponent uh, like a disadvantage. It completely shuts them down. Let's say let's say they're playing slow, so they've got three to four ships. They can only activate three to four of their squadrons throughout the entire round for two rounds. And that's if the other ships are doing stuff like that. Exactly. And it, it's just outrageously good. But the problem with General Draven, which I found when I played him a couple days ago, is that uh, if your opponent isn't really focused on squadrons, he doesn't do that much. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If, if your opponent has like an MSU fleet and they want to be navving all the time, I mean, you set a nav dial for General Draven, it's, it doesn't do that much. It just reduces their yaw by, by one. It, it doesn't give them that extra yaw. But if they're playing MSU, who gives a shit? And then it's like, you're not going to put an engineering on, on Draven unless you really think that your enemy is going to be doing some ridiculous shit. But the only account I can think of where you would do that, where you, you put an engineering d dial on General Draven, is if you're playing, like, abandoned mining facility and you don't want them to farm tokens. Mm. But, but then they can still farm it with, with the token. You still get two points from a token, which is enough to farm that initial dust cloud. So it, it doesn't really do anything there. And then for Concentrate Fire, they can't add a dice... And instead re-roll. If they have a bunch of... Oh no, because even if they have gunnery teams, they can just use the token you gave them. So they, Yeah, they can still use the token. So they can. it doesn't shut down gunnery teams or anything like that. So really, what Draven is focusing on is either being in a strong rebel squadron fleet and just letting them fucking dominate Sloan. Or in a squadron-less rebel fleet. He will just completely shut down the squads for two turns allowing your rebel fleet that does not have squadrons to annihilate their carriers without reprieve. He's got an amazingly high ceiling, but one of the lowest floors I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, if you go up against a, a fleet and they just don't have many squadrons to do, it's, it's like he doesn't do anything for it. And for 28 points, like, he's not... He's not cheap, no. Um, but yeah, I, I played him against someone who had like two squadrons they had like sienna and valen and then i was like fuck i don't know what to do with general draven now and they had they had ozel so tell me what the fuck to do then cry fucking cry like fucking it was the worst but what what an amazing commander general draven i, I think he opens up a lot for not just Rebels being able to contend with other really high-value squadrons like Sloan and Republic. But uh, it opens up a lot of options for Rebels to play squadron lists without that much uh, downside. Like, look, put fucking PDICs on your MC-80, make General Draven the commander, and then on, on rounds three and four, just completely neuter their, their squadron activation. Watch while their carriers move forward into range of your MC-80. And slap them right off the table. Amazing. Let's go on a fen round. Um, yeah, and you can start reading now. Uh, but this is actually this is one of my favorites from the entire bunch. Yeah. So fen Rao, which when I saw the initial uh, preview where it was just like a little sliver corner of this card, I was thinking it was gonna be Ezra because Rebels, Mandalorian, Gauntlet Fighter. I go right to Ezra. Um, 
because Fen Rao has never been shown to fly a fucking gauntlet fighter. So why would I say Fen Rao? You know, if it was a Fang fighter, I would be like, oh yeah, maybe Fen Rao. But it's not, it's a gauntlet fighter. Uh, what I forgot is that Ezra's gauntlet fighter is specifically called the Knight Brother. So where Mandalorian gauntlet fighter, the, the title would be, it would instead say Knight Brother, same like uh, Han Solo and Lando sharing the Millennium Falcon. Mm, so that's interesting. So if I was smarter, I would have I would have seen that coming. But Fen Rao's never flown a gauntlet fighter, so I don't know why he's here. Anyway, Fen Rao uh, for the Rebel faction in a gauntlet fighter. His ability says uh, when you are chosen to activate by a squadron command, after the activation is resolved, choose up to two non-unique squadrons at distance one. The chosen squads may activate as if they were chosen by the squadron command. Assault escort one brace, twenty four points. What a fucking bomb card! I was so upset when i saw that it was rebel faction only yeah this card is outrageous oh go ahead please so first off he has escort second off he's a mandalorian gauntlet fighter with seven hull speed four we're not even going to talk about his dice his dice don't matter oh i want to talk about the die i love red dice quadrants and so i am just so happy to see another one i know it's a huge gamble but oh my god when they hit they hit so hard yeah uh for fen rao his dice don't matter He's a speed four, seven hull escort. So what that means is you pair him with Biggs and Hera, and then you put a uh, maybe a Janors in there, and then generic X-Wing. You fill that out to 134 points, and you have you have so much fucking hull. You have so much survivability with your X-Wings, with all your escorts. Because here, here's the fucking thing. Hera X-Wing does not have escort. Mm -hmm. So we put Biggs in there. Uh, we put Hera in her X-Wing, not Hera in the Ghost, that one sucks. We put Fen Rao in there, he's 24 points. Uh, we, we slot in Jan Ors for your generic X-Wings. And then we do one, two, three X-Wings. Can't do four. So three X-Wings, that's 124 points. Mm -hmm. All of your X-Wings can be pushed by Fen Rao, which it's at the end of his activation. So you can have Fen Rao anywhere, activate him, push two X-Wings, and then they activate. And then they can move and shoot. Hera, her ability is, while a friendly squadron that has escort is at distance 1 to 2, which is such a huge range bubble, mm -hmm. it has adept 1. So all of those X-Wings, Biggs, Fen'Rao, all have adept 1, which means they can re-roll on their attacks. And then you've got the boy Biggs, before a friendly squadron with escort at distance 1 suffers damage from an attack, reduce the total damage by 1, if you do... Choose a friendly squadron with escort at distance one. That squadron instead suffers one damage. So you have this huge defensive ball of escort squadrons that are all getting bomber rerolls from Hera because they all get adept one. If you have a GR-75 with bomber command center, they get rerolls again. And so your, your X-Wings are now able to charge in to the enemy's uh, ship the high priority target. You activate uh, Fen Rao, have him activate them. They get Bomber Command Center rerolls and Hera Adept rerolls against that ship. So they're cons your your X wings are becoming outrageously consistent and outrageously con survivable because Biggs can now shunt an outrageous amount of damage onto Fen Rao because he has seven hull and he's an escort. And so it's, it's just a crazy amount of synchronicity with these squadrons. All of that for the cost of a Star Destroyer. <laughs> yes, all that for the cost of the Star Destroyer. And they're going to kill the Star Destroyer, too. 
They they don't give a shit. That is, I mean, I learned so much uh, just now. As you know, I, I uh, don't typically play Rebel, right? So um, I'm not as familiar as you are, right? So just learning all of this, that's unbelievably intense. Yeah, and, and just imagine trying to throw your token squadrons in front of that. Even with my combos of um, Teltrivera, it's just like, that's not going to last. No, especially with the X-Wings. I mean, rolling four blue dice is pretty good. But you know what's even better? Being able to choose your misses and re-roll them into hits. <laughs> yes. It's so good. Fenrau's amazing, for sure. Uh, I mean, speed four escort for rebels... He's the fastest escort. There's nothing that comes close. To do what we're talking about, um, shunting obnoxious amount of damage onto uh, an escort that has like 7 hull, you need the YT-1300, which comparatively has counter 1, escort, 7 hull, speed 2. So good luck with that. Good luck keeping up with your squad. And then you add uh, all fighters follow me, Fenerago goes speed 5, your X-Wings go speed 4. Ugh. It's such an outrageous combo. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And then he has his ability, which is to activate two non-unique squadrons at distance one. And that's at the end of his activation. So you move him in, whatever. Look, pair him up with Adar Talon and bounce him around the board. Like, let's say you have, like, a fleet with just all generic, like, X-Wings or something, and then you just bounce him around the board with Adar Talon. You're activating four extra squadrons around being able to move and shoot amazing what a great card let me ask you a question hmm. um i mean because this is it's it's very intimidating we can agree on that right yeah what would you do to counter this uh, i know exactly what i would do to counter this because it happened to me when i uh played him uh this last friday uh, you flack the absolute fuck out of them if they overextend see because fenrao goes really fast Use all fighters follow me. Your X-Wings go really fast. All you want to do is charge in and start doing damage like round two. Just flack the fuck out of them. He's double, double black flack. It has to go somewhere. If you do enough flack damage, they're all eventually going to die. But it's, um, it's a timer, though. It is a timer, for sure. I mean, you need LTTs. You have to be doing more than one damage per flack. You have to be doing two damage, three damage, four damage. Three is ideal, so you need L LTT on your on your ships to avoid uh, this bullshit. Because if you only do d two two, you're actually doing one because Janors will use her braces, brace to one, Biggs will move it around. But still, you just have to focus on the ball, and just flack the fuck out of them, throw everything you can, and hope that uh, your opponent doesn't position them correctly. Some of them are out of range, like maybe Jan is out of range or Hera is out of range. If you have token squadrons, you've got a bracket to hide priority targets, which would be bigs, bracket bigs and kill them. And then you don't have to worry about that crazy ability. But, I mean, and it's also a lot of investment. You could just jump over them, kill your opponent's ships before the squadrons are able to do enough rounds of damage to kill your fucking flagship. There's a lot of strategies to, to deal with Fenrau. I just like that he can do so much. He can be a part of this big, unkillable X-Wing ball. You can have, like, eight or nine generic squadrons, like four X-Wings, four Y-Wings, a couple A-Wings, and just bounce him around the board, activating two at a time, 
using Adar Talon to refresh Fen Rao so that the next squadron activation ship you can activate an additional two more. It, it, it's fucking awesome. He's got so much he can do. But one of the major problems is he's a gauntlet fighter, so <laughs> his anti-squadron is ass, and he doesn't have bomber, and he's got assault, which essentially says, I do nothing. It's like, why are you going to spend a whole damage on a ship to give it a raid token when raid tokens for the rebels don't do anything? I didn't consider it. The connection between the faction and Assault especially, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Like, like if this was a Mando Gauntlet fighter that had Assault that was for Separatists, mm-hmm. that's a different fucking story. That's that's giving you a whole black dice if you're running TF-1726, you know? And that would, would that work canonically? Yes, right? There's no yeah, reason yeah, answer. yeah. Sep- separatists, you just do like a pre-Vizsla uh, Gauntlet fighter, and then, you know, for Separatists. That would be easy. Good. That that would be really good, but that would be at such a premium because that raid tokens for separatists is amazing, which we'll get into. But for I don't know, you you could probably create a build where you're focusing a lot on raid tokens. But the problem with that, like, let's say you want to add Kanan Jarrus, who is the best assault squadron in the game because he can spend critical icons for a raid token. So if he gets a crit and a hit, he can spend a crit icon to raid and then spend the hit for assault to raid so we can double raid in a single Ooh. attack, which is yeah, really, good. really good. And then you add that alongside uh, Rex Officer, uh, which says, Squadron Command, you may choose an enemy ship at close range. That ship gains one raid token of your choice. And then, while you're at distance one to three of an enemy ship, that ship can only discard one raid token of any type when it discards a command dial. So it, it keeps the raid dials on the target. But again you do this whole spider web of raid tokens and it uh, doesn't do anything for you. you. You don't get extra dice. Your opponent just has to not do some commands. You, you, do, you don't get a special ability. You don't get anything for all of this shit. So assault on Fenrau essentially means nothing. So Un- Unless rebels get some kind of raid commander or upgrade that can exploit all of these raid tokens you can put on, it, it doesn't do anything. It just... Uh, they can't do the full extent of the command off. And then if they have Hondo and they just mash the token and then just strip it off, you've spent all of this points and all this web of fucking lies to for nothing because they just had Hondo or a clone nav officer, you know, and they just get around whatever you're trying to raid. So until Rebels get something that can actually allow them to play the raid game, Assault means nothing to them and you should just ignore it. So, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, before we move on to the next card, I guess the final thing will be uh, points. 24 points. I mean, it's up there, but it's a gauntlet fighter. So, I mean, that's catches. Yeah, what are, what, are the, what are the other gauntlet fighters priced at? We've got the normal gauntlet fighter, which is 20 points, but it had rogue. And then we got uh, Gar Saxon, which is 23 points. He's got Intel Relay damage assault and rogue so i mean i think he's well priced he's actually a little cheap for what his ability does and him having escort i think he should actually be 26 points it's fair it's still pretty expensive because the gauntlet fighter i agree the dice on the gauntlet fighter is i mean it's up there but it's also a strong power and it's a strong power well but i mean like high hull ship high hull ship escort which is amazing for the rebels but like the dice are ass 
no bomber. Assault essentially is, is blank and no rogue. So I think it's fair. It's, it, it seems fine. All right, let's go on to Separatists. Uh, yeah. So we got Asajj Ventress Officer. Four points. After you perform an attack targeting a ship that has one or more raid tokens, if the defender suffered one or more damage, you may remove one raid token and one command token from the defender. If you do, gain a matching command token. Strange. Um, I don't like cards that mess with command tokens that much, right? So it's not really up my strategy. Or of my strategy. Uh, yeah. Let me see here. It's a weird ability, for sure. And all you get is a matching command token. Yeah. And you benefit your opponent. Well, not exactly. You are stripping a command token from them. So, here's the thing with Asajj. Tell me. It's such a high-priority slot, the officer slot for Separatists, that she could be zero points and still not be taken in a lot of instances. Interesting thought. Because, like, Wat Tambor, fucking Shumai, Runhako, TI-99. It's like, these are all such power cards for the Separatists that even if she was zero... On a lot of flagships, she's just not even considered because of her ability. But in a couple instances, she's actually really useful and usable. And this is in TF-1726 fleets with B-2 rocket troopers and in Dooku fleets with B-2 rocket troopers. But on, um, not on your flagship, obviously, because you you don't want to fucking, you you don't want to not take Wat Tambor on like your big flagship when you're trying to do Mm -hmm. Asajj Ventress nonsense, you know? So essentially the thing is, Count Dooku... At the start of each ship phase, he discards one of his command tokens. All of the enemy fleet gets a raid token matching that command token, obviously. So the strategy for Asajj is, before the round with which you do that, you attack the high-priority ship with Asajj. They can see, at the start of the game, what tokens you have on Count Dooku, obviously. So, firstly, in the first round, they're going to start banking tokens matching those so that they can get around the bullshit that is Count Dooku. Now, Asajj, you attack the ship that has those tokens, and you fucking strip them. You strip them away. Uh, The way you do that is charge in a fucking hard cell, use B2 rocket troopers to put a raid on them before you attack, and then use Asajj to take the raid and then take their token. And then in the following round, you use Count Dooku's ability, and they have no way to deal with it. Because Asajj has taken the token that they would have used to spend to get rid of Count Dooku's raid. So she's essentially guaranteeing Count Dooku's ability. It's a lot to do that. It's, it's, a, it's a big fucking, uh, what's it called? Rube Goldberg machine of something that isn't really that great. And you take their token, which is fine, but eh, that's fine. The other instance in, in which she's useful is TF1726. So let's say... You're trying to get extra dice for TF-1726, and they're trying to prevent you from doing that. It's the same instance of you use B-2 rocket troopers, put a raid on them, you get your extra dice, and then at the end of your attack, you just remove the raid, you remove any command token that they have. You, You just have to be smart with that, I guess, and identify what your opponent is trying to do. If they're trying to send squads at you, if they're trying to strip raids with those command tokens, and then you just strip away whatever they're doing. But just like you said, though, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's not once per round or once per activation. So, I mean, you you can strip multiple command tokens off if, if you so choose, but command tokens aren't 
aren't that impactful. And if you do put her on a on like a hard sell, you're only going to take one. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem that amazing to me. So let me ask you a question, Chandler. Would you build your list around this card? <laughs> that's that's what you. No. No, no, well, because she's not even a commander, so that's 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 difficult to say. Because like, when I'm playing separatists, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm gonna build around Wat Tambor. Okay, that's a lie. Uh, I don't build a list around like Shumai. All right, that's that's another lie. I mean, okay, I'm to, not <laughs> to get the most out of this card. That's what you have to do, though. Yeah, you need to be taking TF seventeen point six or Cap Dooku. Really, the only other reason I could see is like maybe for Trench, but. I'm not going to rely on my opponent to, to strip tokens, you know? It, it seems just okay to me. Unless there are other... Um, there's got to be other releases that make Asajj Ventress better. Like a uh, double officer ship. Ooh. Or uh, more upgrades that require tokens to refresh. Kind of like, uh, like Hyperwave Signal Boost. Or... Um, the Battle Droid one, what's it called? Battle Droid Reserves, where you need tokens to refresh the card's ability. Then then she could be more usable. But as of right now, there's there's not really a precedent for her for stripping tokens, you know. Especially in an officer slot. And, and you need B2 Rocket Troopers to even make her ability consistent. So the only thing I could see where she would be consistent is if you... Have Count Dooku as your commander, your opponent activates their ship, doesn't clear the Count Dooku raid, and then moves in to range of Asajj, and then you shoot with Asajj, and then you strip the, the raid token, but then just leave it and make them spend their, their dial to get rid of it. Unless you're absolutely loading them up with B2 Rocket Trooper raid tokens, it's like, she's just not really participating that much. So I, I, I don't I'm not a fan of her ability as it is right now. It seems... A bit strange to me, but I don't know. Someone who's really good is going to put her like in a Dooku or a TF1726 list and do really well. But they were going to do really well anyway without her. So I don't know. I I'm cold on this Asajj Ventress card until I can come up with some consistent way to, to get benefit from her ability. I agree. I'm uh, ready to move on to Wat Tambor, if you are. Wat Tambor, the fucking boy. So he's in a... He's in a belly rub 22. He has his squadron ability is that he can have escort in separatists, which I am on record for saying that they would never get ever because of how outrageous that would be. And um, yeah, they completely replaced whatever ability he would have had as an ace squadron to just give him escort. That's how strong it is for the separatists <laughs> to, to have access to escort, even just one escort is that it completely replaced whatever ability he would have. So he's got Escort, Relay 1, which is no one gives a shit, and then Screen, which is while you're defending for each other friendly squadron the attacker is engaged with that lacks Screen, up to 3, you gain Dodge 1. So Dodge up to 3, depending on all that kind of shit. Which will probably be a lot. Which will probably be a lot. Brace, Evade, 20 points. Woo! What a fucking boy. I'm sure you're excited. Have you... Uh... I had a chance to use this one yet? No, no. I've only, I've only played one game since the uh, okay since this dropped. Um, but I mean that that's a really good fucking squadron. He's got you know the the Belbalab dice pool, so two blue, two black, which is amazing. 
and a black anti-ship. So he shares that with Grievous. Look, like, running Wat Tambor and Grievous together is going to be amazing. Like, you, you, you take Wat Tambor, Grievous, DIS, T81, and Flak R Flak prototypes, and, I mean, that's a pretty fucking scary ace ball right there. And then just, what, you, you take however many vultures or tri-fighters you, you have the sanity for, and... <laughs> and run over your opponent it's fucking crazy though him having brace evade does make him weaker for sure but if you just dogpile onto whatever target or whatever squadron ball you're going for he essentially has dodge four which is outrageous so like against an x-wing it's make your opponent re-roll their entire attack pool which I think is pretty good. I'm not sure because essentially blue dice are essentially coin flips, whether they do damage or not in the squadron phase. I mean, but so, still, it's an okay chance to get accuracies out of that. It's not like there's only one accuracy on the die. Yeah, but it, it it's actually like even better than that because it's not dodge four, it's dodge three and then evade. So it's if they don't have an accuracy, you evade their hit. If it re-rolls into a hit, then you dodge three, and you can dodge three is is not three separate instances of re-rolling. You can't make them re 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 re-roll. Yeah. Let's say they get two hits. You just make them re-roll both of them, and then maybe you get away scot free. You just take one damage. You don't have to use your brace. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty survivable actually with that. So I don't know. I'm 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 pretty convinced with Wat Tambor having a black anti ship is amazing. I mean, you you can just run both of the bubble lab aces. The tri-fighter aces, and then however many tri-fighters you can take. How much fucking... How many points is that? How many fucking tri-fighters can I fit in? All black dice? Let's fucking go. Are you doing it? Yeah, I'm doing it. So, it's... Wat Tambor's 20 points. So yes. then, five droid tri-fighters. Flak Arfok, DIST-81, and Grievous for 133. How many activations total? Uh, one, two, three, four, nine. Oof. So what I what I would more likely do is oh shit I can't do two vultures okay yeah so I mean look that's that's a lot and then that that's just the squadron um, build let's say I want to make a providence with invisible hand and flight controllers and uh, we'll put expanded hangar base on there now I'm gonna load up five droid tri fighters in the invisible hand I'm gonna have the four aces out. And look, it's it's an incredible amount of damage. I'm really liking Wat Tambor. You, you throw in all the Tri-Fighters, they try and kill some of them, you bring them back with reserve hangar decks, and then you throw Wat Tambor in the mix. He's got screen, he's got escort, they're trying to do damage, He he's making them re-roll all their hits. The, I mean, then you have all your Tri-Fighters attack in the squadron phase, their aces burn up their tokens, Grievous comes in with his ability, their tokens aren't readied. He does seven damage. It's a really great combo. I'm I'm really liking how Wat Tambor came out. And for only twenty points, I think that's for, for very only twenty acceptable. points. Very acceptable. Yeah. Uh, Separatist. I don't know. Asajj is weird to me. For for people who really like token control, and I mean especially against Separatists or not Separatists uh, against Republic, they rely so much on their on their uh, command tokens, that being able to strip them with a ship that just has B2 rocket troopers, I mean, maybe that is enough. I don't know. She feels very, like, uh, Republic, anti-Republic focused. Which is good, considering some of the cars we've seen. Yeah. Being able to, well, 
Look, the more I think about Asajj, the more situations I find her valuable. Perhaps like, uh, with the new cards that we've seen, especially, that might be why she's here. No, but like, let's say you're going up against an ISD that has ECMs, and they bank an engineering token. And then with your hard sell, you can just put a raid token on there, do a single damage, and then take their, their ECM refresher token. Now they can't ECM next round. Get fucked. Oh, I have uh, something. Yeah. Especially with a lot of cards where you have to um, start them untapped, and you have to then spend the token to bring them back. Well, that's really only Slicer Tools. Is it? Yeah, that on, the only one that does that is Slicer Tools. Uh, you bank one round, okay. round one, and then round two you refresh it. So, uh, that, that's a bit of a... But, I mean, you can still just, if they exhaust it again, you can prevent them from using it multiple times, which is good. All right. On to the Empire. I am ready to move on for the Empire because that's what I play. Yeah. Uh, Governor Price, very, very cool. Seven points. Once per activation, while performing an attack against an enemy ship, you may spend one shield from the attacking hull zone to change one die face to any result. And I'll tell you what, I have plenty of shield to spend uh, when I'm playing as Empire, so... Yeah. This... This bitch... <laughs> holy shit because i was telling you i was playing draven and, and fenrao the other day mm-hmm. my opponent played governor price and holy fuck is she good outrageous especially with um intensify firepower like i like to run yeah you can get that consistent damage but really the the shit of it is is i invested so much into a gr75 you know you put bomber command center on it i put ha- i had adar talon on him that was running fen rao uh you put expanded hangar bays because i just wanted to do the whole the big shebang you know mm-hmm. so it was like a 50 point gr75 or something they roll in with the demolisher gladiator 2 with the price <laughs> and they do a side shot on my gr75 so, for people who don't know, Gladiator 2s out the side have a red, which means you have a one-eighth chance of getting an accuracy. But with Price, you can just set it to an accuracy, stop the scatter, and then just get infinity damage with your, with your blacks. And that's exactly what happened. And so they just fucking rolled up and clapped my GR-75 right off the table before it could do its amazing uh, <laughs> squadron play, and they spent a shield for it. And it sucks. Now, price isn't all-powerful. You have to spend a shield from the hull zone that you're attacking from. So you can't... It's not like a Gerard where you can just take a damage wherever you'd like it. It has to be from the attacking hull zone. So a lot of times, you're going to be running out of shields. Especially if you're playing with, like, you know, an Imperial 1. Or not Imperial 1. A fucking ISD. You got four shields on the front. That's once... Twice, maybe? And then you've got two shields on the front? Do you really want to do that? Everyone's going to be attacking the ISD front hull zone. That's really the only place to attack. And so you're, you're going to use it twice and bring it down to two? And just let someone cut through your ISD like that? I don't know. It, it seems like a lot to me. But So I'm going to let you in on what my plan is. <laughs> so tell me. Are you ready? I'm ready. So it's actually for the tournament coming up. Okay. Uh, I think I'm thinking of doing a Sloan list, but I'm thinking of doing doing it on the Onager two. Oh yeah, <laughs> setting this so I'm always getting that uh, whatever the blue turbo uh, what's a special weapon slot I forget what it's called. 
but the one where if you get the crit, uh, you increase the damage by the amount of crits that you see. Yeah. So the trouble is, is you have to specifically get the blue crit, which is the tricky part in triggering. Oh, you mean it's it's the red crit that you need? Uh, no, for, that's for, for the, the long range one. Nope. It's it's red for the for the blue laser. Is it really? I, I could yeah. be wrong. It's been a while. But the the thing that you're probably confused about is the defender suffers one damage. This occurs once for each red or blue crit icon. So the, so the blue crits do matter, but the red one is the one that triggers it. Fair enough. Well, even so, sometimes you don't get the red crit, but yeah. this guarantees it. If you have it, you can get an accuracy for that brace or even for the uh, evade at the extreme or depending on you know whatever range it's at. And this is fantastic. Look, I, I think Price is amazing, as she should be for seven points in the officer slot. She's going to go on either your flagship to do major damage or on, like, I think her best role is as a flotilla hunter for the Gladiator 2. Because it was it was guaranteed. It was, there was nothing I could do. I think it's a very special use. I really enjoyed that. It was dead. Like, but, I mean, you put her on an onager, and then put her with Gunnery Chief Varnillion. And your dice can be whatever you want. <laughs> you know? And then you can do an outrageous amount of damage with the onager. It's crazy. She seems like a really good officer. I mean, her ability is great, but it doesn't do that much other than, you know, you take a shield and you set a dice. It's kind of straightforward. It's not like Fen'Rau where you got so many implications and things that you can do and all that kind of thing. She's pretty simple. She's very strong, though. Well, I'm planning to use her, and I'm very excited. Yeah. Let's go on to Volt Scaris. Yeah. Volt Scaris, TIE Interceptor Squadron. During the squadron phase, you cannot make non-counter attacks. You have counter four, you also have swarm, you have a scatter, you have an evade, and it is 18 points. Counter four. Whew. So That's spicy. this boy does not want to be touched. No. But it's counter four, but counter five if you have Howlrunner. Counter six if you have Dengar. Six if you have Dengar. Yeah. So with swarm, what a fucking dangerous boy. And then if you want to go really, really hard, you can put Instructor Goran in there. While a friendly non-heavy squadron at distance 1 to 2, it has counter 1 or increases its counter value by 1, counter 7 on this guy. That's more blue dice than I like to keep around. <laughs> I wouldn't invest that much into it. Instructor Goran has like 7 points, so I'd probably keep that out. But counter 6 you can easily get to. So regarding Volt Scaris, the main thing that terrifies me is not really the counter 4. It's the giving a speed 5 interceptor air superiority dice, which is generally what I say when I'm regarding uh, a squadron that has blue, blue, black, black. Mm -hmm. It's the consistent damage and the chance for an accuracy. Blue, blue, black, black, obviously. This, can, this is found like very rarely in squadrons. I mean, Darth Vader in the TIE Advance doesn't even have that. It's, it's generally reserved for the, the hard hitters, the TIE defenders, Belbalabs, squadrons like that. It's, it's so good because when you get the accuracy, you for sure have the damage. That's why it's amazing. And I feel like the point cost is so low. Uh, yeah, it's 18 points. That's two more points than a generic TIE Defender that only has Bomber and all the other stuff we talked about. And then he has Counter 4 and Swarm and Scatter. The Evade is shitty. Um, and obviously, the ability that his squadron has is meant to make him worse to make up for the fact that he is so good of you can't 
attack in the squadron phase. So you must be commanding him to make him attack, which you would every time. Why would you bring him in and not plan to do that? Exactly. Um, the major drawbacks for Volt. If they do have an accuracy and they can block your scatter, you're taking damage, for sure. I mean, you can evade. Okay, good luck. Yes, but there's a chance at no damage there. Just a chance is the thing, and he's only got three hull, and that's really where the drawback comes in. Is He's a three hull ship, no brace, just a scatter. Yeah, I mean... He's essentially the opposite of Sienna, where Sienna is taking less damage because she's inherently removing dice from the attack pool, less counter, less offense during her activation. She's only one point less, but she's got Brace and Scatter. Everyone knows Sienna's ability. If you don't, then fucking play the game more. I think he's one of the more terrifying Empire Squadrons, for sure. And I think that's the thing, right? He doesn't have to be that's survivable because let me ask you something especially if you get to like seven chandler would you shoot something that has counter seven fucking no you don't shoot so does he need to even have any hole (laughs) no but then like you pair him with somebody like teltravera or like zertic strom or tempest squadron or or even just take black squadron just for like a little bit of mitigation you know if you can take one shot off of Volt Scaris, it's it's amazing. If he survives one more round and gets to shoot, it's it's like two more points than a defender to just be able to roll blue, blue, black, black out of squadron. It's like, and that's not even talking about if you have flight controllers or if you have Sloan. He fits in perfectly with Sloan. He's more aggressive than Sienna for Sloan, which is, I mean, Sienna's amazing, but... If you can roll more consistent dice with your tie interceptor ace, instead of taking less damage, you're doing more damage. If they attack you, you're countering four. Four blue dice on a counter for an interceptor. And you then you get an accuracy. Oh, I'll spend your scatter. I'll go in, attack you, spend my blue dice to spend your scatter. You attack me, I spend my accuracy to spend your scatter. Gone. Bye. Get fucked. <laughs> it's so he's so aggressive. In the way that Sienna is defensive, he is like the other side of the coin. He's amazing. Probably one of the better squadron cards in this release. I agree. I I, I feel like you're gonna see him everywhere, and he deserves it. His fucking king status here. So a couple of interesting things about this card. Um, first off, is it's a question I've been uh, wanting to ask you. In the mm. art, what's going on with the interceptor there? He's getting out. He's taking his helmet it off. Looks, He's taking his helmet off. He's I don't see out. like the the hood. Does it open from the top down like that? Yeah, yeah. Because because okay. I thought it opened from the bottom up. No, like no, no. Um, a lot of the, the times that you see someone loading into an interceptor. Oh, they're coming from the top. Yeah, yeah, they're going from the top. So that's what he's doing. He's getting out from the top. He's just putting his. He's taking his helmet off and. He's done the day, he's killed everyone that exists in, like, a 20-mile radius, and he's like, ah, I'm gonna go have a Sando, you know? That's, like, I, that's fucking... not the top of the Interceptor. Yeah, it is. Dude, no, it's not. That's. I feel like I'm having a hard time seeing that perspective. I feel like this is, like, the front of the Interceptor, like, we're looking uh, at it. It's not, it's not. Alright, so, think about, you know, on the road, how there's a manhole cover, and you yeah. take the manhole cover off, and then if you want to get out of the you know, the tube that goes into all the sewage systems, you kind of, like, sit on on the side of it. Take the lid off, you sit on the side. That's what he's doing. He's sitting on the top of the interceptor. The thing that you see to the left of him is the hood 
the very top of the interceptor oh, comes off like a lid, shit, like a yeah. yeah. And so he's just kind of sitting on the top. He's taking his helmet off. He's killed everyone, and that's it. So I thought that the lid was the hole of like the interceptor, and he was like no, a no. box in front of it. No, no, no. Yeah, he's get he's getting out. Okay, that. Who? Thank you for clarifying because that was that was weird for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another one that was pointed out to me, so and I need to verify its accuracy, was this character showed up in the Squadron scan. Oh, did he? I mean, it, it's worth verifying, but that's what I've heard. So that's very, very cool. That is cool. Yeah. We should have more um, more Squadron cards from that Squadron game. That that was a cool fucking game. They had cool characters. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And, uh, I, I do like um, the consistent application of Squadrons with Evade. I think it allows for stronger squadrons, but you're taking away survivability for their how strong they are, you know? Like Darth Vader, Volt Scaris, Watt Tambor, they're all getting evades instead of braces, you know? I think that's pretty awesome. And can I be, I mean, my opinion, and you might be factually correct, but this is how I feel. I would rather take the, prefer. I prefer the evade, because I would rather take the chance at no damage than... Um, have the consistent reduction of half because you're always going to be taking one at least with the brace but with the evade again i just value the opportunity to get zero yeah and i mean i guess that all depends on on what you're going up against i would for sure take double or a double brace or scatter brace over scatter evade because mm -hmm. i mean it just it depends on how much you want to be gambling like because if they're getting the accuracies to block you out for all this stuff because they're First, they're going to do the scatter, right? It's only if they have yeah. a second accuracy that they're going to do the brace. And but then they're not way, even doing that much What damage, are they rolling so. for damage? Yeah. Something that you could probably evade away. Yeah. And, I mean, having an evade for a lot of these extremely powerful squadrons that'll have, like, like, like a Darth Vader and the Defender, he's got red, blue, black, black. I mean, if he rolls a double hit on the red and no accuracies, and you can just evade that double hit on the red, maybe that gets you out of the, the fucking trash bin, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, that's just kind of how I see the value there. Yeah. Very interesting squadron. Mm -hmm. Empire, everyone's going to see him everywhere. I mean, if you're going to a tournament after Rapid Reinforcements 2, you're going to see him. He's going to be in every Empire list, for sure. He's so good. Okay, let's go on to the last segment. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to move on to something that's also very interesting, which is going to be the organized play kits. So, very, very cool. Um, tell me a little bit about this. So, I think this was at uh, Adepticon, where AMG was going through uh, all their new releases, uh, announcing new stuff. This is where they dropped Rapid Reinforcements 2. And also, like, if you think about Rapid Reinforcements 2 in a vacuum, it does not seem like that much it's eight cards there's no plastic <laughs> it's a case of it's the thought that counts you, yeah it's the thought that counts you could do this in a weekend really with with maybe some play testing here and there i don't know man this seems way more thought out than that but that could just be me being hopeful yeah but but if you looked at all of the releases they did across all of the games that amg now has under their belt it seemed like a fucking lot. It was a lot of stuff they were announcing. It was new stuff for Marvel Crisis Protocol. 
multiple new heroes and models. It was new uh, scenario packs for X-Wing and a, a whole new fucking like way to play the game. It was several, several packs for Legion. The, like, the next two years of releases for Shatterpoint were announced to include a team where it's Luke in Return of the Jedi with Leia in her Boosh costume and Lando in his hidden costume and R2-D2 with the fucking drinks on him. Like, that, mm-hmm. whole, that whole Jabba's Palace infiltration set. And then the Rebel crew and this and that. And it, it was just so much. And Armada is at, you know, the shit end of the stick for now. I mean, until they get a handle on how the game is supposed to be played and how you should be balancing it, what is too strong? This is, this is what they should be doing. Any, any doomsayer who's talking about, oh, I'm glad they're not touching Armada because look what they're doing with X-Wing. They're releasing like new product with stuff that's outrageously unbalanced or the rules aren't proper. Um, this is what they should be doing. They should be doing more rapid reinforcements, dipping their toe in the water. Is Anakin too strong? Why does he break 84 rules? <laughs> What's the timing on matchstick? Did we word that properly? You know, does it need to be more clear when his ability is happening? Uh, if a squadron runs out of distance one, can it still attack after it's moved? And it's all digital product. They're not releasing physical copies of these cards. Because, like we've already experienced with Rapid Reinforcements 1, Darth Vader originally had Brace Scatter. Obnoxious. Hera's ability was weird and convoluted. And they just fucking fixed it. Because it's all digital. You just print the new one. And I feel like a defense token change is like one of the biggest changes I've seen. I've never seen a defense token change. But, I mean, it happened so quickly... I mean, some people who who weren't didn't have their finger on the pulse probably didn't notice that ever happened, but it did. Darth Vader and the Defender had a fucking scatter. Can you imagine? So yeah, I am perfectly fine with them continuing to do rapid reinforcements until they get their footing on the kinds of things that are too strong for the game. Uh, what do these factions even need? You know, like CIS didn't have a squadron in the last one. Uh, maybe they just couldn't think of another fucking name for a vulture ace or something i don't know what kinds of things are helpful because for sure i'm going to agree that republic getting a new play style in the form of anakin skywalker commander is something they needed lots of people don't like playing a lot of squadrons but if you asked me before rapid reinforcements 2 came out if uh what kinds of things do you want to be able to do in in the republic faction to play them well uh well you're gonna have to learn how to play squadrons because that's really all they focus on Now, with Anakin Skywalker, you can play only ships. Because being able to attack a third time in a round is so valuable. Especially if you're trying to bring multiple Venators. Let's say you have two Venators, and then you fit in like a Corvette or two. Sometimes you're only going to be getting only double arc on on one of the the Venators. Maybe your opponent outpositions you on the other one. You're losing so many attacks, so much dice. And now Anakin says, nah, I'm going to make up for that. I'll let you get the double arc, even if they dodged it. Let's say they're only in the side arc. Now nah, I'm going to fix that a little bit. We're not out of it yet, just because they outpositioned us. So really my point is, I'm loving these rapid reinforcements. I think they should do one or two more, and then do some plastic product. Maybe ships on sprues. Maybe, maybe just a fighter pack for the Clone Wars. I'm okay with that. 
And then they're going to have enough of a backlog of ships, squadrons, characters, officers that have come out from all of these Disney shows and movies and products and stuff. And then they're going to be like, all right, now we'll have another wave. And then it'll be fine, you know? Uh, because I, I think someone said, I think it was them, they said something that confused me at first, where it was, um, we don't have enough to make a significant like release, mm-hmm. a significant wave release. And when you hear that, at first you're like, the fuck are you talking about? There are so many fucking ships you could do. Like, I could name 40 right now that you could do for both factions, ships and squadrons. It's easy. And after a couple days of uh, screaming into my pillow about that, I realized what they're saying isn't that we don't know what ships to include and we're not even watching the show so we don't know that there's new ships that we could be including. I think what they're actually saying is how do you develop that ship and integrate it into Armada that makes it interesting and useful and makes people want to fly it? What kind of role does that ship fill? How do you balance that to make it interesting? I think that's what they're saying. I hope that's what they're saying. And it makes sense. Yeah. And so, you know, do a couple cards. Make a commander or two on rapid reinforcements. Make some fucking uh, squadrons. You know, it's easy. And they're kind of showing their hand a little bit. um, Because one easy thing to do for separatists would be to make a Django squadron. Mm -hmm. Why haven't they done that? Why did they go to Wat Tambor first? and not Django Squadron, which they could have done also easily in Rapid Reinforcements 1. They haven't done that. I mean, I feel like just having Django as a name would be more desirable. Like, to go out and buy and purchase this product, people would want that more. Exactly. So, my thing is that they're saving that for future physical product of, hey, this is the Clone Wars version of Rogues and Villains, and there's going to be Django in there, and then Asajj Ventress squadron, and then this, and then that, and maybe another fucking Anakin squadron card, because he doesn't have enough. You know, stuff like that. So, I agree. So yeah, so the whole point was, they were announcing all of this and talking about Armada and all their other products during Adepticon. And then they released, or they announced that organized play kits were coming back for Armada. And they showed, you know, the 2023 tournament kit, and all of these new alternate art cards. And that... I'm really excited to get one for the SSD. I really want to. Yeah, the SSD looks amazing. There's world championship invites in the kit. There's Suntir Fell drinking wine, which is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. They've got tarot size uh, rapid reinforcement ship cards. And I'm just so excited to have official store championship tournament kits that have like, a f- official support product. Like, this is something they said they were they were going to be doing, and it's good to see it actually happening. And it also kind of gives us an idea of their turnaround time, uh, which, which is something that anybody who's, you know, paying attention to announcements and releases and release dates, it takes this long. Because they said that store tournament kits were something they were focusing on, and something they were planning on bringing back, and they said this in 2020 or 2021. Okay, so that's it. They were probably already putting all of this together. So yeah, how, how big is that SSD card going to be? It feels like it's going to be massive. So I'm looking at it, and I'm going to judge it by the size of the brace token. 
And so, yes, I feel like it's going to be massive. I don't think it's going to be bigger than the one they already have. Yeah, yeah, it's probably going to be that size. But I don't know. It, it, it just the icons look so small. I just imagine it's like a fucking poster board. I hope it's a thicker material. That was my biggest complaint with the last one. Well, my biggest complaint with the last one is they didn't they didn't round the edges on it. It's just they just sliced it does it look out. very it's like a, yeah, it's very square. It doesn't have the rounded edges like the normal cards do. But eh, you know who gives a shit? Um, I'm just hyped for store champion tournament kits because like we've been we've been running our tournaments pretty regularly, and you know one of the things we've tried to do that's kind of actually fucking difficult to do is you know, generate and make and give out prizes and stuff. And As, uh, I know for a while you were doing the really cool magnet things, and those are great, but they're super expensive. And then I, uh, I tried, like, yeah. 3D printing stuff, but it's just so time-consuming. Each, each one of those plates is, like, two and a half hours. Yeah, so it's good to have a, an official tournament kit. And, you know, I just, I just want to see more. Give us, give us quarterly kits. Give us some more shit. Like, I, I mean... Looking through this, this is just cards, but I mean, make some new tokens. Come on, get us flush with some some prizes and stuff. Oh, have they made uh, tokens in the past? Uh, I mean, FFG was pretty good on it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, lot there were there were lots of uh, prize support, but I'm happy just to see it coming back at all. So, yeah, very very cool. Hopefully, these come out soon. And aren't delayed in any sort of fashion, but we'll probably see the we'll, we'll probably see them start hitting stores like fall or winter at the latest. Hopefully not winter, but because then it's not really a 2023 tournament kit at that point, you know. But pretty awesome. I mean, at least they put a date on it, right? So like we know, like sometime in the next six months, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can hopefully yeah. expect this. Hopefully, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm super hyped. I'm I'm ready to play some games with. All these new cards, new options, and stuff, and it's pretty awesome. I'll probably start buying some Republic stuff here in a minute. Maybe I will too. Um, so, as always, thanks for listening to this episode of the Brace for Impact podcast. You can check out our battle reports and other video content on our YouTube channel. And if you would like, you can support future content and get early access to videos and podcasts on our Patreon. See you next time. Testing. Oh, testing. That's why. All right. I'm recording. Yeah, because the, bar, the bars weren't going up, and I was like, what the hell? I know my voice is pretty loud. I didn't have the microphone on my, on my chest. Okay. Yeah, that'll do it. So, yeah, like, I've just been so fucking busy. It's crazy because I was spending so much time, like, doing, like, studying for college classes and then doing them and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, once I'm done, I'm going to have so much, like, fucking free time to do shit. And then I finished, and it just keeps filling up with shit. It's because you have, like, a 9 to 5 now. Yeah, well, that's true. Fucking hell. That's, <laughs> that's 40 hours a week, man. That is the free time you had. God. It's so fucking stupid, because I, I, 
obviously have like production goals that I need to meet like per day. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, schedule it all out and plan for shit. And I'll, I'll go in at like seven in the morning. That's when my day starts. And then, you know, fix some circuit boards, solder, replace some components. And then I look at the clock and it's like 1030 and I'm done mm. for the day. Okay. So it's like, okay, and I'm like, I just sit around here. So I've just been fucking watching uh, YouTube videos like all day. That's excellent. Once I'm done. Yeah, just fucking sit and chill. Because it's right. like, there's okay. no reason to continuously output over the, the normal like requirement. No, you just set yourself up for failure later when you can't meet this new requirement. Yeah, and, and like fucking um, nobody wants that. Exactly. Because because I've done that to uh, with other jobs before is when you you overproduce and then you have to go to your manager and be like, there's no more work to do. And they're like, okay, just go to another department then. And then you have to fucking stand around with your thumb up your ass, you know? It's like... Hmm. uh, But yeah, so that's fucking... Oh, and I've been playing a lot of fucking Battletech. I'm jealous. That game is fucking cool. I bought even more robots robots and shit, and I'm gonna be fucking painting them up. I have, uh, John printed me some robots, uh, to paint up. I think I showed you most of them. Uh, but they look really I, I saw the, the Atlas one. That one looks mm. cool as fuck. Yes, that one does look very cool. Uh, and then I got some other ones, um, I think I have their bases in front of me so I can figure out what their names are. Cause, uh, let's see, what do we got? They are archers and... The archer's fucking cool. Yeah, archers, and it looks like a marauder. That's hard to read it. So. A little hunched over boy with some sticky out hands. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a marauder. Apparently people love that mech. It's it's supposed to be, it's like an iconic mech for, for Battletech. That checks out, because when John printed them for me, he's like, these are the ones that are, everyone says are the best, and that you have to have, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Atlas, yeah. because I requested that. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, and like fucking, and you can buy all like the the lance packs. One thing I really like about BattleTech is like you can just get a set of four miniatures and make a whole new faction for like twenty bucks. That's fantastic. It's crazy. You just paint them a different color and they're easy. Um, and I've also been looking at a bunch of uh, terrain features. Um, are you talking like height or just like specific, like, you know, like mountains or trees or something like that? Both. Okay. Cause, cause there was one, um, store that I liked that sold the, um, the trees pack. I think I showed it to you or something. Maybe. And then they like, they went out of like business and they stopped producing fuck. them. And I was like, well, fuck. And then I didn't, I didn't buy the STL in time. And so I was like, ah, fuck, I'll try and make my own trees. And then I did, I made those, like, two, I made two tree squares, or two tree hexes, and I was like, this was the worst thing ever. It was just so annoying to do, because you have to, like, I had to cut the tree, like, trunks to size, and then glue them onto the base. Mm. But, like, they're so heavy, heavy in quotes, heavy for a small amount of super glue that I have to like hold it for 15 minutes until it dries and then do that three times. It was 
such an obnoxious fucking process that I didn't do anymore. It's something so, that you have to like enjoy doing. Like for instance, <clears throat> I really enjoy doing like uh, the terrain and stuff on my miniatures, right? So for me, something like that it is really fun. Um, yeah. and relaxing. But if you don't like it, I mean, it's torture. It's not that I didn't like it. It sounds like I didn't like it. <laughs> I I did those two, and I was like, these look amazing. I'm a fucking G. Like, nobody's better than me at, like, making terrain. <laughs> and then I turn to the left, and I see that I have, like, 40 more to do. Hmm. And I'm like, fuck this. And so, um... I'm, I'm trolling Etsy like I normally do. And apparently some guy is making, um, he, he must have gotten the STL from that company that went out of business. And he's just selling like, set, like sets of them. And so I'm probably going to buy a fuckload of them. Because then that's easy if the trees are already made and they already look good. You know, I just, I get a spray can, spray can green, paint the trunks brown, do the base and done. Yeah, nice and easy dry brushing. Nice and easy. I don't have to fuck with these, like, like train tracks, or, or what, what's it called? Like, model train type trees. And they, they leave the little bits all over my fucking desk. It's fucking obnoxious. Um, so my plan is, when I get the, the, the table down again, when, when I set that up, I'm going to lay out a couple of the mats and see how many trees I need for the board and then just fucking buy them, paint them, get them done, set them aside nice and easy. I think and that's better. And, like, especially now that you have, like, this job, your time is all the more valuable, right? So. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I'm really, like, struggling with is because I had, it's not like I had no job. It's just my job, the jobs that I had were so flexible that I didn't realize how fucking much time I had. And now I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't even have fucking time to do anything. I got other shit to do, you know? Well, I mean, once you're done with that, like, you go home, like, you have to, like, cook, you have to clean, like, upkeep, take care of the cat. Oh, my God, uh, you know? So the only time you have is your weekend, and then what are you doing? Like, laundry, grocery shopping, spending time with your girlfriend? Like, Dude, cooking food takes so much time and effort. I don't think anyone's ever cooked before. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone cooking. What the fuck? The only reason it happens easily in my house is because Jace got laid off, right? So she's available to do this while I'm at work, and I'm very fortunate to come home and, like, have that done. And, like, it's the, it's the greatest thing in the world because we are saving, like, a bunch of money not eating out because that's also stupid fucking expensive. And so there's just no way to eat, and you just either have to starve or... Have an awesome dude. Day. I I was I was sick um a couple weeks ago. Oh, you were fucked. I was fucked. I just had to lay in bed and suffer, and then I was like, oh, I'll just buy a sandwich and just have it delivered to me, because I had eaten all the other foods in the house before I got sick, and then I had nothing to eat, and so I was like, I'll just get a sandwich. Easy. Like fucking twenty eight dollars for a sandwich to get delivered. Yep. Oh uh, that's actually that's inexpensive, man. Yeah, I was I was expecting thirty two, like thirty five. I know, With and it tip. was just, it was outrageous, fucking hell. Uh, and then they, I asked for no pickles, and then they put like eight pickles in the fucking delivery box. Who uh, the fuck eats pickles? Like, oh my god, they're the most disgusting fucking food. 
Well, my, my wife enjoys them very much. I'm neutral to uh, slightly enjoy them. Sarah but... loves pickles, too. I don't know. What is it with girls and liking pickles? It's fucking crazy. I don't like them in the sandwich. It's just kind of something I'd, like, nibble on after the after the sandwich. Uh, I don't like fucking pickles at all. It's, it's fine. Hard. I enjoy it ruins like, the integrity of my fucking so. sandwich. It's the worst. <laughs> Fair. But, yeah. Um, what else have I been fucking school i don't know if i was bitching to you about this already but like that was the worst well because it was delayed if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah yeah. i had all that those hardware bullshit annoyances so like i essentially just traded all the time that i was using to go to the gym to just deal with the class Mm -hmm. and so i ended up not going to the gym for like three months and so now i'm trying to go back to the gym and and i'm like fat as fuck Oh my god. I just went for a run this morning and I came back and I and I went to Sarah and I was like, I'm so heavy. <laughs> I'm so I was heavy. Like fucking moving around and I'm like, fuck. Uh. It was the worst. I could only run for like two minutes at a time and then I had to fucking walk like a fucking baby. It's the worst. On the topic of uh, physical exertion, uh, the weather is nice, man. We got to go kayaking soon. Yes, yeah, for sure we have to do that. Um, you you guys are still off um, like Sunday, Mondays Monday. and S- Sunday, Monday? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to have to set something up because Sarah is antsy as fuck. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, okay, cool. Well, well because she, she got COVID and they sent her home and <laughs> she has been following the rules and not leaving the house. So she's been in the house since Tuesday and not left. Well, you let me know as soon as you guys are at like 100%. I'm yeah. fucking gonna. Oh, and also, um, we want to get like um, passes to Volcano Bay. Have you been to Volcano Bay? Uh, I have not been to Volcano Bay. My younger stepbrother works there, though, and so it like has offered us tickets as our wedding gift forever ago. That's fun. Yeah, because um, Sarah's been wanting to go because we used to do this thing where um, we got passes to Typhoon Lagoon, mm-hmm. and then. Any weekend, we're just lounging around. We're like, let's go to Typhoon Lagoon. We pack up the cooler with a bunch of foods from Pubbies. We drive down there, like, 30, 40-minute drive. You get there at, like, 11, noon. You hit one ride. You hit another ride. Lazy River. Four hours of hanging out. Go home. Done. And it's, it's a good the day. Fucking, it's a fuck, the fucking best. And especially, like, if you're out on an errand, and then it's hot as fuck because it's Florida. Ooh, and then you just and, go do this? Yes. And then you just, and then you just drive. Because oh, I was so annoyed because we went to Ikea because we were renoing a bunch of our rooms. And, you know, we were walking up and down the Ikea fucking labyrinth of hell. And we got out. We walked to our car, and it's hot as balls. Hotter than anyone's ever experienced in their entire life. And so... I looked at Sarah and I was like, oh, we fucked this up. Like, we should have had passes to Typhoon Lagoon. Mm. We're, so, we're like 10 minutes away. And we should have just had the pack ready to go, gone to Typhoon Lagoon after this because it was like noon, do the lazy river for an hour, and drive home. And we fucking didn't. And then she, started, she brought up because we, we haven't been to uh, the fucking Volcano Bay. And so she wants to get Volcano Bay passes, but I think that would be fun. Yeah, no, uh, let me know how it is. We're not too big on, like, the whole water park situation. Um, oh, no? 
What about what about the beach? Are you guys just because we kind of prefer, prefer like the more natural springs sort of stuff? But um, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I really mean, good, fucking like, natural springs are pretty cool. We just like the lazy rivers and kind of like just the the experience of going. I think is really nice, especially. I don't know how like your family used to do it. My family were fucking obnoxious with theme parks and stuff. Mine they too. Would, like, Oh we uh, they work there, so we just every weekend like we would go to Disney to like go to the restaurants for dinner. So it just has no novelty. Oh Jesus! No, no, I'm not talking about that. Jesus Christ! Uh-huh. What? <laughs> um, no, no, like my parents, they would plan it, and then day of everything would be ready, packed to go. You wake up at six in the morning. You eat your shitty pancake breakfast, and then. You're at the gates 30 minutes before they open. Then when they open, you go in and then you stay there like all fucking day at the theme park. Whatever theme park you're going to. You hit everything that's possible to do. And then like right before the the park closes, you leave. We have had very different experiences with theme parks. (laughs) It's like... I, I always finished the theme park like wishing for death to take me. I was just fully exhausted where your feet like are on fire and you've got no more energy, you know, and it's the worst. And so now we're changing it up where we just go, we stay for a couple hours and then leave. Oh, but wow, the year no. passes let you do that. My uh, my stepmom, she worked at like the Yacht and Beach Club, so like we would park there and then walk like the fifteen minute walk to the back entrance of Epcot, and then like go to the German restaurant for dinner, like hit test track, and then like leave, and then repeat next week. Jesus Christ, you got the fucking connections, dude. That sounds dope. <laughs> oh my god. Oof. All right, um, I'm gonna get another drink, and then we can go ahead and and start the the podcast. I think that was a pretty good warm up. So.